Hello, my name is Andrew Kaler, and you are listening to episode 9 of Andrew Kaler Recordings. I do apologize for the gap since my last posting. I had one set up last week, and that fell through. Uh, The time change kind of just makes things difficult sometimes to coordinate with people, but by means of an apology, or by way of an apology, maybe both work, I don't know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, As an apology, I will have another episode coming out later this week, so look for that. So in this episode, I'm talking to my friend Tay. Tay came to Shanghai the same time as me, uh, in the same group as Jade. Uh, So we've been friends for quite a while, but she has not been in China for a hot minute. She's been jumping around uh, from place to place, basically as a COVID refugee. So we talk about that a little bit. We talk about spirituality and what that means for me, what that means for her. Uh, As you can imagine, uh, we have a lot of differences, but uh, funny enough, we usually end up coming to the same place, albeit by very different routes. So I think you guys are really going to find that dichotomy interesting. This is, I'm going to be honest, this is one of my favorite episodes I've done so far. And uh, I mean, for one, Tay is just great at talking, but she has a lot of good things to say, but I think, uh, I don't know, just the interplay is really interesting. But, of course, I am a little bit biased. So, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And, like I said, I'll have another episode coming out here pretty soon, if all goes well. I think that about covers it. So, enjoy this episode with me and Tay. And, hope you have a nice day, and stay safe out there. Hello? Hello! Hi! Hi, how are you? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. I want to get into what happened to you. Were you laser tagging or something? So, like, two weeks ago, actually two weeks yesterday, um, I went to the spa with Fern, you know, just, like, <laughs> chilling in the, the hot tubs and whatnot in the sauna. I wake up the next morning, like, nothing happened. But I wake up the next morning, my knee is, like, comedically swollen. Like, it's huge. Yeah. And so I kind of figured it would just go away. And then it like two weeks went by and it just hurt really bad to the point where I was like limping. So I went to the hospital and I went with one of my Chinese friends and she did like 99% of the work. But Bless. the doctor was like, so like, what did you do? And I was like, I don't know. Like I just went to the spa and then the next day it was really bad. He was like, oh, you got a massage. And I was like, no, like I was just sitting in a pool. And he was like, and then you hit your knee. And I was like, no, it's just massive. So it's water in the knee water on the knee something like that and uh so yeah it's just really swollen and so i'm just supposed to take antibiotics and put ice on it and not do anything wow the body and its wonders um for anyone wondering andrew is on medical leave right now from work because of water in his knee um literally wow that's a new one yeah well and i yeah I, i so i was talking to my mom and I was like yeah I've got like water in my knee I don't even know what that means I guess there's just a lot of liquid in it but and there's she so was much like, water oh, you know. in our bodies like right, right. Water. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, and then she so then my mom is like oh yeah your dad had that in his 20s all the time no and so way I'm just like oh cool so this is just genetic and I didn't even do anything to deserve this <laughs> <laughs> It was just bestowed upon you. That is um that is so unique. 
Right. I, I feel unique. <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice way of putting it. I'm very special. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Okay, well, so for everybody that doesn't know, uh hi Tay. I don't think I even I don't think I even said your name. Hi Tay. <laughs> well, water in the knee, we had to jump right in with that. Right. I was too um, curious. Yeah, so usually when I have people on, I kind of just have them briefly explain who they are just in case people don't already know who you are. So whatever you feel is is relevant or interesting about you, you can just throw that out there. Oh, goodness. Um, so, yeah, my name's Tay or Taylor. Andrew and I, like Jade, if you listened to a previous episode, we both arrived in Shanghai in the same Motley crew on the same day. What was it, like August 21st, 20... Yeah, 20-something, early, early, early 20s. 23 yeah somewhere in there um and we both arrived with a group of like 40 other people to be initiated into what I thought was one of the worst jobs I've ever had (laughs) also (laughs) such a great adventure um and then I was actually only in Shanghai for about five months but in that time Andrew and I bonded over our vastly differing views um, but both like very respectfully, I think we mobbed around and you just drank beers one day. What are the beers called there? Uh, which one? Like the Asahi or are you, talking about, like, are you talking about like the soju, like the clear one? No. <laughs> no, but I love soju. Yeah. We just mobbed around exploring, sharing our ideas and it was so fun. And basically that whole group was such a blessing because even though we really like went through it with that company, or at least most of us did. Um, We also kind of had like a built-in friend group. So it was like going back to college, but being older, way cooler because it was in Shanghai. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Plus it's like, you like, it's not like school. I mean, I mean, it actually, it literally is school, but you're the (laughs) teacher now. So yeah, you're in the position of power at last. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's crazy. You were only there five months. That's, that's bizarre. I know. It's so that sad. Like All so of my belongings are still there. Right. Yeah. So do you want to briefly explain what happened to you? <laughs> yeah. So um, in some ways, I'm kind of like a COVID refugee. Basically, um, the way that COVID happened was really fascinating because it occurred or it really started to spread and hit the news in Chinese New Year which is when, according to my understanding, everyone in China, both the locals and expats, just spread. We go global because that's like your best holiday of the year. It's like summer. And so there's like not in ends of the earth that someone from China doesn't go during Chinese New Year or like within China, everyone goes back to their village um, or just spreads out. So I decided to take a backpack and go backpacking through Southeast Asia. So I hit up Vietnam. Um, The news of the virus broke actually the day that I left because my Chinese friend Charlie messaged me and was like, be careful. And I was like, ah, Charlie, what do you know? (laughs) Like, I'll be fine. (laughs) Um, So I ended up leaving behind my apartment, my roommate, all of my things and going to Vietnam and then off to Cambodia after. And it was when I was in Cambodia that things got pretty dire, especially in China. And my school wasn't able to reopen. They only 
opened online. Um, and fortunately for me, I was just an hour time difference away. And so I could still do my whole job really without a difference. But while sitting next to like a beautiful Cambodian river with like a mountain in the backdrop and it was warm and sunny. And I was like, you're kidding me. I'm not going back to Shanghai right now. Yeah. Um, and so I told my school, whenever you have an opening date, I'll buy my ticket. But until then, I'm just going to be here where I feel safe and bucker down. Um, and then about a month passed and I actually had like two different tickets back to Shanghai get canceled by the airlines. And I had bought my third ticket and I think I was going to fly out on like April 7th. And on March 27th, China announced that they were closing the country, even to people with visas, residence permits, work permits, everything the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had like 24 hours to run back to China and it just wasn't happening. And so yeah, I remember all that. Like that was just so crazy. It was hectic. Yeah. And well, they didn't like when, say for how long. Right. Well, that's when people people ask me all the time. They're like, "Oh, when are you going to come visit the US?" And I was like, "Whenever China <laughs> like like whenever China says." And like, "When's that going to be?" I'm like, "It could be tomorrow. It could be a year <laughs> from now." Like I have no idea. Yeah, they have mastered the spirit of spontaneity, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's such a nice way to put it. Yeah. Well, that's, there's a lot of things that I appreciate about China, because I think if you put it in a different perspective, um, it can be, it can be really admirable. Um, and that's one of them, like, they just decide, for example, hey, Shanghai, everyone's gonna recycle and compost. Yeah, and we're gonna do it meticulously. And you need to figure out how to do it the right way, or you'll get yelled at <laughs> tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, the biggest city in the world by population just starts composting and recycling. Yeah, they just, well, and, <laughs> uh, when they shut down Wuhan and then they built that entire hospital in four days, like, that's, show me show me how many countries could do that. It's just the not. The U.S. could never. <laughs> never. Now, I said, I said that to my mom and she said four days, they couldn't even get, like, the, like, the paperwork started in four days. Oh, we'd have, like, protesters, like, it would just be a whole thing, but in China, they really buckle down, and they get things done. Yeah, absolutely. So, but you're not in Cambodia now, you're no. going to move again. Oh, my goodness, yeah, so, um, I'm in the southwest of Morocco now. Very cool. <laughs> Which is something about me, like, I really think life is an adventure. And yours definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want it to be. And so, right, right. <laughs> yeah, then that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. Because um, it's pretty random. Like, I'm not even sure what I'm doing here. Exactly. <laughs> but here I am. Well, I, do, I remember that. the, I remember the last time. Uh, you and I were talking, and I was like, Tay, you're so brave. And you're like, well, I kind of have to be, don't I? And I, was like, <laughs> I think we do. I think, like, bravery is one of the most important things to have in life and adventure and love. Um, and, yeah, I, I spent more than a year in Cambodia, actually, to follow up on my story. I was, like, stranded there. I spent about 10 months trying really hard to get back to Shanghai. Um, and then it dawned on me one day that that just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
went through all kinds of things. I mean, I've been living in Airbnbs now since I left Shanghai, pretty much. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm, like, allergic to signing a lease. I signed one lease in Cambodia, and I had to break it, like, a month later. And I was just like, ooh, this is not it. <laughs> right. That's so funny. So I'm, I'm not a geography buff. Morocco is how, – how close is that to Cambodia? It's not close. Okay. <laughs> it's on – Because you're, you're, you're in, like, a – it's, like, a desert kind of – situation well, right it's a very diverse landscape here i was in the sahara last week okay um, and when i tell you that like the statement dry as the sahara <laughs> <laughs> like whew, you have no idea like you can be drinking water all day and your lips are just like cracked like wow. a canyon and you're just it's zapped you and i was in the sahara actually during <clears throat> the holy month of ramadan which just ended, um, which means that most people are pretty um, religious here and, and they do Ramadan, which means that they fast and they don't drink water. Oh my gosh. I didn't All know the day. water part. I knew they the fasting. They don't drink water. Oh my gosh. Wow. So they wake up at like 4 a.m. But like even in the Sahara, that's not, that's not sufficient. Wow. And so I was just like drinking water all day, seriously dehydrated, looking at all these people with mad respect. I'm like, I do not know how you are surviving. Well, I, I, I said to my dad one time, because my dad's religious, he's a Christian. And um, he was saying, he's like, Andrew, you know, like being a Christian's hard. And I was like, it is hard. Like, I'm not going to say it's not. I mean, it's hard for some people. It's easier for others, I'm sure. But yeah, it's hard. And he was like, yes, yeah, so I just don't think people would do it if it's hard because it's like the hardest thing to do. And I was like, being a Muslim seems 10 <laughs> times harder. Like being a Buddhist seems harder. Like like most other religions actually seem like most other religions actually seem way harder. Um, and of course, it just depends on how you live it out. But um, yeah, I mean, no water. Jeez. Like in that kind of environment, that's. Yeah. That's mad pops. Um, your dad's a pastor, right? He was for like 10 years. Yeah. Wow. When, how old were you? So he took over a church when I was in fifth grade and then he stopped uh, like nine years later. So I think I want to say I was already in college by then, but yeah, somewhere around there. So yeah, he and my mom ran a church together. Took, wow, like, it was, it was like a satellite campus. So we went to this like big mega church and they took over this little teeny tiny church of like 50 people that was closer to our house and they said hey you guys want to be pastors here and my dad said no and my mom said yes <laughs> and so and then she won out <laughs> she's the yeah boss. um yeah so they took that church of like 50 and turned it into like 500 600 700 on easter um holy smokes yeah and then they left that and i don't i don't think they miss it <laughs> But <laughs> maybe that's what he means when he says being Christian is hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Because that would be hard. And also standing up, kind of like being a beacon of morality or like trying to be an individual person who represents like church to so many people, um, I think would be really intense. Yeah. And, you know, my dad and my mom, like we have a lot of different uh stances on 
pretty much just about everything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, being their kid, being their oldest son and being there with them for the majority of their time working as pastors, um, I just have like the utmost respect for what they did. Cause you like, you really get like an insider perspective on the work it takes and just how much people need stuff like that and yeah. how integral you become to your, their lives. And then, and then suddenly they just stop showing up, you know, after you've poured into them for years and then they're just going to some other church cause they had an argument with one of their friends and they don't want to see their friend anymore. Um, yeah, it's, I, I tip my hat to them and, and really anybody that does it. Cause that's not, I think some people look at it as kind of like a cushy job. And I think for the most part, it's really not. There's so much behind the scenes and even just to be like a public speaker. And then yeah. when you're a public speaker, kind of in charge of inspiring people or motivating people to keep faith. I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely a lot. Um, and I think what's so interesting and one thing that I love that you always say or or that you embody is you're really one of those people who's so down to have differing views but maintain a lot of respect for people and maintain that um, we're all allowed to have our own perspectives and our own kind of techniques in this life. Yeah, that's something uh, my mom's side of the family is really big on. They like to say all the time, they say it takes all kinds. And that's, and that's definitely something that I try to live out. And it's just more fun, you know, to have <laughs> friends with different perspectives and it, you learn so much more. I mean, like, I'm not going to say it's not fun to just hang out with your buddies and everybody feels exactly the same way about everything. Like that is fun. Um, it's nice to be validated <laughs> and yeah. have people agree with you. Um, but it's also really rewarding to have somebody completely disagree with you and you still like hanging out with each other and love each other and then yeah. understand each other better. Um, I think that's really important. It's so important to be challenged. And like for me, I'm I'm pretty set in certain things that I interpret in life and that I believe, but I'm always willing to have my mind changed and I'm always willing to evolve. I'm always willing to look at things from a different perspective as well and take that into account. Um, and I think like I'd love to hear more about actually how China has been for you because I think living in China forces you to really look at life in this in a completely different way and still find the congruencies and the cool parts of it. Um, and you've been there, wait, almost two years? Yep, getting, getting close here to two years. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I learned so much in five months. I wonder what, like, what are some things that you, has, has it shaped you or changed you or? Um, one thing that, you know, I'm sure most people would think of as obvious, but it's one of those things where living it out really helps you understand it better. It's just the scope of things has changed for me so much. Um, you know, like I said, like I was raised Christian and I was in like a very small town. Like my town has like 7,000 people. And so, you know, you have an idea that, you know, the world is bigger than where you live, but, <laughs> but it's still the, like, you don't even realize all the different issues that actually exist or how complex they are. And so then living in China, um, so many of the things that I would spend time thinking about in the United States, I just don't think about anymore. Um, wow, really? what'd you say? I said, really? Wow. Like, like, so I mean, so just thinking about, um, 
you know, like, how can, how can, like, religious cultures work together? That was something I thought a lot more about in the States because it was so much more of a reality. Whereas here, like, people, like, they, people have religion, like, not to say there aren't religious people here, like, they're Christians and Muslims, but it's just not really as much a part of the culture. And, but you, at least I've come to realize, like, their cultural identity in a lot of ways has, like, religious aspects to it. And so yeah. it, it's just, like, such a, it's just such a bigger picture kind of thing. Um, like, a really, like, kind of a silly way to compare it, um, but one I think kind of makes sense, is just the uh, level of, like, physical attractiveness that are just totally different from the States. Um, yeah. Like... If you've got like boobs and a butt here, that's like it's like oof, they're gonna have a hard time finding a boyfriend with that big ass. Yeah, it's like, such a construct. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, it totally is. And um, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but in Japan, women are actually getting surgery um to make their teeth like more messed up because <laughs> that's like what's be- that's like that's kind of what's considered attractive. And I asked one of my Chinese friends about it. I was like. I was like, is it, is there like any sort of like, are you guys doing this in China? She was like, like I don't know if anybody's getting, I don't know if any, yeah, like anti braces. <laughs> um, she was like, I don't know anybody that's doing it, but I definitely know guys like that. And I was like, that's so interesting because not to say that's like the rule of thumb in America, but it definitely is more normalized that you just have like nice, clean, normal looking teeth. Um, yeah. And it's l- literally just the complete opposite over here. Dang, and I need so, to move to Japan because I have like really <laughs> pronounced, like I have crooked front teeth um, because I refused to get braces. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to go there and they're just going to love it. I do feel like it's fun to be different, but it's something I've thought about fixing so many times. Um, yeah. Wow. No, so it's, yeah, it's just stuff like that where. Um, you know, you think something is really important and then you get into a different cultural context where like no one, it's not that people don't even care. They don't even know what you're talking about. Um, I was, I was, uh, I spent a month in Nepal, like, oh geez, five, six years ago. And we went to this like remote village and we're supposed to teach them something. They were just like, oh, you're foreigners. Come teach our kids. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, they're like literally anything. And we're like, oh, man, I guess, like, brushing your teeth is important. We'll tell them, like, how to brush your teeth correctly. And so, like, I'm just trying to teach them, like, English words. And I'm trying to think of, like, some, like, fictional figure that we'll have in common. Um, So I'm like, oh, you guys know Mickey Mouse, right? And they're all just, they all just were so confused. And I, like, drew Mickey Mouse. And I was like, Mickey Mouse, Disney? And they just had no (laughs) idea who I was talking about. Um, but then like all of these, like I was wearing a Nirvana shirt and so these are like first, second graders. And one of the kids was like Nirvana. And I was like, yeah, no Nirvana. Way. And they, all the kids were like, Kurt Cobain. And I was like, yeah, Kurt Cobain is a person. Like, <laughs> that's fucking epic. I'm kind of yeah, glad. These... I'm kind of glad right, that they yeah, I... over Mickey Mouse props. If, yeah. If one, if one thing is going to spread, I'd rather it be Nirvana. The message um, of Nirvana. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I guess just stuff like that where it's just, you realize just not to say like things aren't important because if they're if they're important to people then they're important. It's not like things are only important if they're relevant on a global scale. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just kind of taught me to give things like the weight that they're due, mm-hmm. um, which also I think and you and I have talked about living in the moment a lot 
giving things the weight they're due is like so important for living in the moment. Um, at least, at least from my perspective, because the way I look at it, it's like, oh man, like this is really bothering me. My, man, my knee really hurts. Mm-hmm. And part of me can just be like, well, you know, in a week it probably won't hurt, but that's not really living in the moment. You know what I mean? That's just waiting for things to be different. Um, and so I just gotta be like, okay, like let's actually give this pain that I'm feeling like the full attention that it deserves in this moment. Like let's give it the credible weight uh, that it's required. Yeah, I really believe in that. I really believe in like sitting with the pain, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, whatever it is. I think that people are in such a hurry to like comfortable feelings or like to feel at home or to feel at peace or to feel all these things. And I think that if you're lost, that probably means that you've left your comfort zone behind, which means that you're going to find something new and hopefully something that you're taking a more active part in creating, which is so cool. And and when it comes to pain, I mean, it's a little different, I guess, with your knee, but at the same time, like how humbling is that when you have a physical oh, yeah. ailment? You're like, damn, I miss yeah. walking. I yeah. miss just when I could walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, sitting sitting in the hospital lobby, um, because I don't speak the language. And so thank God for my friend uh Danny and thank God for Tinder, because that's how I met her. Of um, course. <laughs> But she yeah. is just, a, she's a freaking angel. She came to my school, like, to pick me up. Like, we took a DD to the hospital. We get to the hospital. She's like, just sit here in this lobby. I'm going to do everything. And I just mm-hmm. sat in this lobby. My knee's hurting. And she's like, do you want a wheelchair? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I'm, like, limping <laughs> up the stairs. But I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to have a wheelchair. Like, my pride would be hurt. And, like, I like all I have right now is my pride. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, That's a thing. But yeah, it was just such a humbling moment because I've I've got this person doing everything for me. She's translating to the doctor for me, um, getting my medicine for me, like doing everything, and I can't do anything. And I'm like I can't even walk up the stairs, but then I also can't even get help. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, and when people do those things for you, and you're like, holy cow, I'm so vulnerable, and I like really don't know how I'd get through this without your help or your translation. Yeah. It's such a good reminder of like, imagine if you were back in Florida and there was someone like, it's a good reminder to look for those opportunities when you can be that person too someday. Definitely. If you notice like who's the underdog or who really needs help. Yeah, and I, and I know I've said this to you as well. Um, I just feel like I don't believe in like simulation theory or anything, <laughs> but I do definitely get suspicious um, just because of like how many incredible people I meet and just how many like kind, thoughtful, um, interesting people I run into and get to like be a part of their lives. That's that's like the thing that makes me most suspicious about love reality. <laughs> You're like, hmm, sus. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, this like, is where watch- we, have, we have the same outcome with that. Like, I meet incredible people or, like, angels everywhere I go. But I'm not suspicious. I feel like I actively am generating it because I believe 
in my soul that I will meet the right people and I will go the right places. So you could send me literally anywhere. And like, it might not be immediate, but with a little time, like I will meet incredible people that I can connect with. Well, and I, I do think, I think one, you and I are both like, we're super open. So that just, even if we were very different people, I think we would still probably get along fine. But I do think you and I have like so many different opinions on things, but usually like the conclusion ends up in the same place. I know, just... which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. Like I said to you all the time, I was like, if I was a girl, I'm pretty sure I'd be Tay. Like, <laughs> That's wild. I, I hope I would be like you if I was a guy. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'd be maybe a little less like nihilistic, but I don't know. I don't know what all that testosterone would do to me. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was talking to my friend the other day and he's known me since I was four. And um, he was like, yeah, man. Like, uh, he was like, you seem less cranky lately. And I was like, you mean like I'm happier? <laughs> And he's like, no, like, you've always been happy. Like, you've always been happy. Or you've always been happy. You're just like, you were like the most cranky child ever. And you're still a very cranky adult. Like, (laughs) I was like, I'm like the happiest cranky person I know. (laughs) Probably true. It's you've got a good balance there. Yeah, I always say that every light casts a shadow. That's true. Yeah. Um. (laughs) I was talking to one of my Chinese friends the other day and uh, she was like, Oh, like your, your chest tattoo says all you need is love. And I was like, yeah. She was like, is that ironic? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, why would you say that? And she was like, she was like, you're like such a nihilist. Like, like you think like none of this matters. And I was like, yeah, but but that's like, but that's why love is so important. Like, (laughs) Yes. Yes, I love that. I love people that are kind of like, they could be labeled as walking contradictions because I just want to abolish that idea altogether. Like one of my missions in life lately, especially has been just to acknowledge and spread the word that multiple truths exist at once. Mm. And we are all so infinitely multifaceted that it's actually incredibly dangerous, in my opinion, to identify with anything. Or to label yeah. ourselves in any fixed way. I think right. that we need to be a lot more fluid and a lot like maybe <laughs> and and you change your mind, but it might come back to the same to the same thing in the end, or the way that we both will go into like a passionate debate about something and end up with the same conclusion. But it's almost like we're speaking two different languages. Absolutely. To say the same thing. Well, and I think too, um, something can be true for you at one time and then years go by and it's not like you've uh it's not like you were tricking yourself in the past it's just you're just a different person yeah you Um, evolved yeah i the uh i so i wrote a blog in college um most of it was just like political stuff but i would also do like poetry and short stories and whatnot and i wrote this story about like the first time I took acid and that was um, that was like the closest thing to like a God moment I ever had because I was just having this like horrible trip and I just like couldn't stop tripping and it's like four o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept and I'm just like I'm, I'm thinking to God or praying, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, <laughs> just get me just get me through this and we'll be good. 
Like, just please, just, just, yeah, just end this and let me go to sleep. Nothing happened. The sun comes up. And I was just like, oh, you know, God's not going to get me out of these situations. But at least the, like, the sun's always going to come up anyway. Like, I'm still going to be here. And so for me, that was, that was, that was the most, like, Christian experience I could identify. Then, you know, three years go by or however many years go by, I'm an atheist. And I wrote, a, I wrote a blog post about becoming an atheist. I, like, as, as much as that Christian moment was a God moment, me becoming an atheist was literally just me writing a report at my, in my apartment. And I just, like, looked up on my bookshelf, realized I hadn't touched my Bible in months. And I was like, oh, you know, I guess, I don't, I guess I'm not a Christian anymore. And then it just went right back to writing my report. Um, <laughs> that was my, like, becoming an atheist moment. But I wrote this bl- big blog about becoming an atheist. And I, I wrote about uh, the, the acid experience I'd had and kind of was like drawing parallels to that and stuff. And so my dad said, um, he was like, so do you just look back at that moment now and think like you were tricking yourself? And I was like, no, like it was true to me then. And it's true to me now. It's just true in a different way. Yeah. And um, it doesn't mean it needs to be interpreted through like a Christian outlook. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a negative thing. And I don't look back at my time as a Christian and think, Oh man, I can't believe I thought that way. And I did that. I was such an idiot. Like, no, that was just me. That was me understanding myself through the lens that I was given, which I'm grateful for. And now I look at life through a different lens and it's, you know, it's all, it's all good. It's all headed the right way. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I hope. And it can all like exist at once. Right. Definitely. All of those truths, there is space for infinite variations of truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I love how sometimes it's like the simplest things, like you looking at the sun and being like, oh, I'm alive. The sun's still going. Right. Well, <laughs> sometimes that's, the I, simplest things that are the most profound. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I, when I do look back at kind of the, you know, the big what I would call like the hallmarks of who shaped me as a person. They're all just like the most mundane, normal things. Like they're not interesting stories. Um, (laughs) Like it's not like, it's not like some big thing happened. They're usually like very mundane. Um, And, but I think that's just, that's just more so the person I am. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not much of a thrill seeker. Um, I am definitely like a let's do the same thing every day, which always surprises people when I tell them that. But I'm like, no, like I love routine. Like I would go to the same restaurant like on Monday, Tuesday, like Monday, this restaurant, Tuesday, this restaurant. I would love that. Other people want variety. And I'm like, OK, fine. Like I'll, I'll bend to your will. But <laughs> but I won't enjoy it. <laughs> right. Like I was like, I'll try to ha- I'll try to have fun. <laughs> You're like, oh, um, I wish I was back at my Tuesday cafe. <laughs> Right, exactly. Having the same thing. <laughs> like Because it's never the same, actually. Like, in a way, it's routine, but your thoughts are different and as you're sitting and having that cheeseburger. or Like, everything is still... There's comfort in a routine, and I love routines, and I'm actually, like, deeply craving more routine in my life because I just feel like yeah, I haven't had one <laughs> for so long. But um, it's you're still different. Like, you observe... It's even, like, going home. Like... When you finally go back to Florida, you're going to be like, whoa, like this is the same. But like, I'm so different. <laughs> yeah. Whenever that happens. Someday in like 2025. Right. 
<laughs> don't say that. You're going to break my mom's heart. <laughs> Are you going to have like a little Chinese baby by then? I, I, so actually when I was doing the podcast with my mom, she was like, we were wrapping up. She was saying, you know, I'm so happy that even though you're in China, like I can still talk to you every day. And I said, yeah, you know, it's not like, like I like set off on a ship for China <laughs> and then, and then come back in like 20 years with like a wife and kid. And she was like, yeah, you'll probably just come back with the wife and kid, not the ship. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, don't don't speak that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) Really? Because I happen to remember you saying you one of your dreams in life was to be like a stay at home husband. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, I just I don't want to return. I don't want there to be so much time that goes by that. I Yeah, Yeah. like I would I would I would like my parents to meet my baby mama before she has the child <laughs> okay okay so there's just like a structure to it yeah yeah there's just there's just a time <laughs> yeah. yeah I hope that happens I mean it's so unpredictable and it's so hard making plans like it really this pandemic has shown us kind of how not to be really dark but like how powerless we are like absolutely I'm also navigating currently like a quasi long distance relationship where we're both all over the place and then trying to plan like the next time we'll see each other and what country we'll be in in a pandemic is just a nightmare <laughs> like it's wild yeah, I totally I totally agree people people ask me like so what are your long-term plans and I plan one year ahead and that is about it and like sometimes I would think a little bit farther ahead and then when COVID happened I was like cool so I'm done with that that's yeah. that's just that's just time spent in my head that's not really worth it yeah um, exactly I tell myself because I get really anxious I remind myself lately I'm just like okay Tay deal with what's real like you're going into these future scenarios and stressing out about them and they might not even happen they probably won't even happen just deal with right. what's real deal with what's in front of you my parents always said like we'll cross that bridge when we come to it mm, and that's like yeah goes back to what we were talking about about living in the present moment it's so liberating because like just don't worry about that like you'll it'll be now then and you'll do right. it then. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey said in his book he said 99% of the crises in my life never happened <laughs> right he's such a legend I love him yeah I love him too um, so I've kind of talked about my background a little bit, and I know like a little bit of yours, but do you want to kind of explain? Because I don't, I don't think you, uh, you weren't born this way, right? No, I <laughs> actually weren't. think I was. I oh, really? Was. <laughs> my mom has this story of when I was like two or three years old. Um, apparently, I have no recollection of this, but it's just so <laughs> accurate. Um, someone asked me like, so Taylor, like, where is home to you? And apparently I looked them in the eyes and was like, my home is on the road. (laughs) No, that, I believe that. I could definitely see little Tay doing that for sure. Yeah, fully. So So I think I always have just kind of had these quirks and um, this personality. And I've always felt such an insatiable need to see the world and to learn as much as I can and like heal as much as I can and give back. Um, And I have this theory on time that, Time is all happening at once. Like, I believe that we are at any given moment the sum of everything we've ever been and ever will be. (laughs) I think of it kind of like a tree. Like, 
Within a seed, the tree has almost everything it needs to become like a full redwood, for example. It just needs the seed, water, sunlight, that's it. So like, I kind of think of myself as all forms of me. I'm still like the seed and I'm this mighty redwood tree. So I'm just trying to follow the pull of like growing towards the light that I need to do. But I have no doubt that like I'm on the right path to whatever it is I'm becoming. And I already kind of feel that presence. <laughs> um, and I think I always have. That's awesome. So, that, I, I kind of think of it in the same way, although surprise, I think of it as kind of less spiritual terms mm -hmm. and more, more just like the physical reality just of <laughs> um, like as far as like the past goes, like your the past you still exists. Yes. And it does. like and it's and it's still it's like inside of you metaphorically and like that scared kid you were and that like optimistic kid you were and that hopeful kid you were, excited kid like all of all of that is still in there. Like the kid like, that went to kindergarten on the first day, like that kid is still there. And Absolutely. you need to acknowledge that kid and love that kid and meet the needs of that kid just as much as you need to meet the needs of that 16 year old kid. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And then as, as far as the future goes, like you have to think about them as well, not in like the sense of where am I going to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years. Um, but you but just, need to who think, am like, I going to be like, what kind am I of, be? what kind yeah, of and, am I growing into? And what if like our future self is looking at us now and thinking like, oh, like our late 20 <laughs> self is still within me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's like just taking care of yourself physically and just thinking, okay, my knee hurts right now. Like, it's probably going to hurt again in 20 years. What can I do now, like, to prep for my knee hurting in 20 years? You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely, yeah. You you read a lot. I'm curious if you've read the book called The Compound Effect. No, I haven't. It's a really quick read, if I remember correctly. But it's basically the premise of, like, we are the sum of the compound effect of the choices we make daily. So you're not going to make like a big shift or a lifestyle change, like through like a diet or through like going really hard for one month or whatever. Like it's actually the micro habits that over time affect us on the macro scale. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, um, I'm a big believer in that. Do you know, do you know Duncan Trussell? No. He he did the show Midnight Gospel. It's like his podcast, and he oh teamed my up gosh, with yeah. the, I know that. the guy from yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast with him, and he's a nut, but I love him. Um, he was saying like whenever he works out, he imagines like that there's like multiple versions of himself, and every time he does a push up, he's literally transporting himself to a different reality where he is the version of himself that did a push up. <laughs> and so like when he's working out he's literally like transcending different realities to get to like the more physically fit version of himself and like i'm not gonna lie i've definitely done it sometimes and it's fun like it's fun to think like you're literally shifting through time and space this is uh, fit me in another dimension right Where exactly does it work um <laughs> i don't know i mean does it work in a literal sense i don't think so <laughs> But, I mean, in a metaphorical sense, it's fun. That's a oh. super cool technique, though. So much of 
what we have to do in this experience is just develop our own techniques for getting through life. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And that's why, um, like, I, I've, I've learned this about myself recently. I didn't know this until maybe, like, a year or two ago. I really don't like getting unsolicited advice. Um, mm. And, like, like, I've always known that. Like, it's never, like, somebody's just, like, Andrew, you should do this. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, I've never been, like, happy about it. But lately, I've really learned. Like, it really, like, grinds my gears and, like, pushes me the other way. And um, and and then I – so then I kind of – on the flip side of that, I, like, never give advice. Unless someone specifically says, like, hey, like, like I need some advice on this. I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. But I just never give advice unless I'm asked for it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's something I've noticed within me where um, – and just – that's just one example. But there's lots of examples for me where if I don't like something, I, like, overcompensate by going to the other side. Because, you know, lots of people want advice and just aren't going to ask for it because they don't feel comfortable asking for it. So, like, I'll be in a situation where I'm like, I can tell this person wants my advice, but I'm not going to give it to them because my thing – my <laughs> thing is that I hate to get unsolicited advice. So I've like I've tried to grow in that. Is there something you would say for yourself that you like overcompensate for something and you've been aware of or does that make sense? Yeah, it it actually does. I I'm already thinking of like a weird quirk I have where like I don't really like when people I try to be pretty open um and with like my friends or as soon as we cross like some invisible barrier in my mind, I will tell someone anything. Um, partially because I'm not super attached to my story. Like you keep trying to ask me about my life and I'm just like, oh man, like (laughs) I can tell you, but it's just like a story. I feel like I've told it. And the more that I talk about my life, yeah. Yeah. But one thing I really don't like is like when people, I think this stemmed from when I was younger and adults would do this to me. I don't like when people ask what I perceive as like really nosy questions or even just like questions when <laughs> we're not close, which is so weird because I know people are like usually just trying to be nice or they're genuinely curious about me. But like, I don't know. I feel like I feel almost defensive because I'm just like, I'll tell you what I want to tell you. <laughs> sure. So you're basically saying you're the worst person to interview. <laughs> well, with you, it's fine because you've crossed that invisible barrier. So yeah. I'll like tell you anything. I'm just teasing. But but no, I really would be with like a stranger. I, I, I don't know. I think like it's something I don't fully understand in myself. I think I just like to be selectively private. And so if it's like an acquaintance and they, for example, like Instagram DM me something like, why are you in Morocco? I'll be like, mm. who are you? Like, I don't right, know. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm in the right, but it's just something. Oh, yeah, that yeah. I, I just, I kind of close up and I'll be like, I'm here. Like, I don't know. I have to remind myself continuously. Like, it's okay to like answer people's questions. They just want to know about you. That's not a bad thing. But it almost like, it just irks me. That does make sense. Does it? It doesn't fully to me. I'm just like, "Mm." Well, I mean, like, I think it makes sense, like, in some aspects. Like, one, just in terms of, like, a uh, physical safety thing. Um like i mean that your example being one but then also just 
sometimes people like want to know close personal things about you and it's not like out of like interest it's because like they want something yeah um, or they need to know the answer and, and they feel like you owe it to them right yeah 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 that's that's a that's a big thing too and I'm, I'm sure you go through it a lot because you're you're pretty open with your social media and talking about um like what you're going through personally and emotionally spiritually and everything and I, th- I i think sometimes people get this idea that when you post stuff like that online you're basically just giving them like carte blanche to just ask any sort of question um and it's like sure you can ask these questions but like i don't owe you a response yeah um, i feel very strongly that i don't owe a response <laughs> to like the majority of just if i don't know you like, yeah. I'm not sitting on, I don't know why this just gets me, but, like, I'm not sitting on Instagram looking at strangers being, like, DMing them. Who's your boyfriend? Are you single? Or, like, where are you? Or, like, anything. I'm right, just like, right. what? Like, no, I, I will reveal very open um, because I want to show, like, different aspects of life. I don't just want to show a highlight reel. Um, mm-hmm. And especially, like, when I'm really going through it, I think there's so much beauty in that in-between and in that kind of unsettled place where you're yeah. where you haven't had the revelations yet and you haven't had the insights yet and the lessons yet and you're just trying to get there um but yeah i don't know i get i just i want to share what i want to share and unless you're like my homie right, right. Like just back off and it's uh, i don't know i think it just comes i think you nailed it when it comes from a place of like self defense and safety and even just being a woman in the world Right, right. This is something I think about a lot. I look at some of my closest guy friends and I both like admire and resent them because I'll see them like, for example, traveling around like in Cambodia, I went on a motorcycle trip with three of my good guy friends (laughs) and um, I can just see how they can like go around and be their utmost truest, friendliest, happiest selves to complete strangers anywhere in the world and just be like, hey, like, da, 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 da. and like part of me watches that with reverence. And then the other part of me is like, I don't feel like I could do that and yep. still be safe. And, and, and they're, even though like as much as you love them, they're literally the physical representation of the problem. Like they're not yeah, causing it. They would, they would never want to cause you any pain. They wish you could live that life, but they're literally, like, they're fair. the ones there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, oh. Like, I, I have found that I, and we all put up guards and layers, like, besides what gender or whatever we are, like, we're all putting up things to protect ourselves. Um, but I just, I wish I could go anywhere and be like, hey, and be as friendly as I want to be. But life has shown me that, like, I'll get taken advantage of sometimes or, like, whatever. Like, I just get myself in situations where, like, if I feel like I need to be a little bit more guarded until... Uh, the moat gate or whatever and let people in I'll just be like a little bit more reserved a little bit more private for my own sake well and I do I think I think that's part of why I'm saying like if you were me you you would be like more angry which kind of sounds funny because I'm like I'm like you're explaining why it's more dangerous to be a woman which of course I totally agree with and I'm like yeah and if you were a man you'd be more mad about it (laughs) (laughs) which sounds which sounds funny on its head but it's like when you're a guy uh or just any person in like a position of privilege like you don't necessarily Mm. recognize it and then as soon as you recognize it 
it makes you like angry to have that ability and then other people don't have it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and that's I'm, a I'm not good, saying that's like a healthy perspective to have, I think. Like you should be angry. Like we all should look at the world and be fucking angry right now. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> because we have is, a lot of work to do. And and this is something I've I've had to like constantly like rein myself in on. Um, cause like, I'll be talking to my mom and my sister about some feminist thing and I'll be like, women have it really hard. And they're like, we know. And I'm like, yeah, I need to shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> no, you actually shouldn't. I disagree. I think you I'm, should. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying like on like to other people, but I'm saying to my mom and my sister, yeah. like, I don't need to tell them how hard the world is <laughs> for women. Like, that's true. That's true. We're like, yeah, like slow clap. Like, glad you're realizing that. Like, right. no. <laughs> But I do think it's so fascinating how like the the duty to speak up so often, too often, most often falls on the marginalized and oppressed groups. Like, it oh, falls yeah. on people of color to be like, hey, this is our experience and this is why it's wrong. It falls on women to be like, stop harassing us. Yeah. With like really things like consent are just as vital for women to understand as men. Because if right. I understand consent, but none of the men around me do, it's not going to make a difference. Right, exactly. And yeah, and like you said, like, when the pressure is then put on those marginalized groups to like solve the problem, it's just like an extra layer of oppression. It's like, okay, here's a problem. I'm going to make it for you. Also, you have to fix it. And also explain <laughs> to me why it's a problem. Like, Yeah, let me educate you on this. Like, oh man, if I told you how many, like, ugh. I actually had a really interesting um, conversation recently with someone from my past who I felt had done something really, really inappropriate to me like eight years ago. And they popped back up in my life randomly and sent me a message. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be real with you. This was, this is what happened. And they had the audacity to like, first of all, make it all about them. And right. second, to like argue with me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, why am I doing this labor? Like, luckily, I feel like I've gotten past the situation and I've learned and I've, I know what it is and I accept it. I was like, this is wild that, like, your first reaction is to is to talk about you. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely it's it's definitely like a defense mechanism in a way. Um, but then it's also just not not to speak to your situation, but. It's, it's just such an abuse tactic to be like, to you, you tell someone, hey, like, you did this to me. I don't appreciate it. And then they just respond with, well, you did this and it made me feel this way. And like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, like, that's not what I was saying. Like, I wasn't asking for, like, like your side of the story. I'm just saying, like, this is what happened. This yeah, is this how is I feel my about perspective. it. And I was really fair. I was like, you're not a bad human being. There were multiple layers to what happened. But I also kind of ended it with, I was like, dude, like, maybe take some time before you react and reflect, because I've been reflecting on this for eight years. Like, yeah. I've got it under the belt. Like, I've been through the ringer. I've come to the other side. Like, maybe, maybe before you react, just just think about it. If this yeah, information what... is truly shocking and new to you, just reflect. <laughs> and that definitely does come back to what I was saying about giving things like the weight they're due. Mm. Um, cause I think, uh, like for me personally, I don't like lying, not because of like the morals of it. Like I'll lie. It's not like, 
I'll lie sometimes if it's going to make my life easier. But I feel like generally, like 95% of the time, lying makes your life harder. Yeah. And so that's why I don't do it. Um, it does. Except, and, and so I feel like with stuff like that, where people get so defensive, it's like, it's, it's not necessarily they're defensive because they've never seen themselves in the wrong. And then you're like, hey, you did this. And then they're like, immediately defensive they've probably i feel like most of the time people get defensive it's probably because they've had the exact same thought or at least or it hits similar thoughts yeah like it struck a nerve uh of something like they're insecure about or they're ashamed about and then they just get that trigger response of okay this thing is attacking me fight or flight like i'm gonna respond i'm gonna react and it's like like you said you know just like take a moment like just take a step step back back. like give this thing Yeah, give this thing the weight it deserves. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally know what you're saying. And we don't have to agree. So many times we're different human beings. We could have the same experience and see it really different ways. But we do need to still be open to listening to and considering. Yep. Just consider the other perspective. Yep. Just take a step back. And... It's okay to be flawed. It's okay to make mistakes. We actually grow up in such broken systems that it it makes complete sense that we reflect that a lot of the time. But Maya Angelou said, and I always think about this, when you know better, you do better. Mm. So take the time, reflect, see if you change, see if you evolve, see if you have some new knowledge you should in life. And then once you know something better, you kind of have to do better. And it's hard because there's also like cognitive dissonance or or like the difference between right right you know like uh, I know I shouldn't be eating like a whole plate of brownies or whatever but I still am like it's still part of the journey and you're not going to be perfect but I think we need to kind of have more space for like the imperfect journey towards doing better that we're all on which is definitely much easier if you're coming at it from the mindset of I'm a constantly evolving and growing person and every version of me deserves love. Yes. Yes. Don't be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a cure. No, it's, you should be changing. You should be fluctuating. You should be like falling down and getting up and like, I don't know. I feel like we're so ashamed of just who we are. and, And I'm just trying to like for myself, embrace that journey and and speak kindly to myself even when I don't feel like it and like even kind of be the parent to myself in the sense that like I need to call myself yeah totally that's 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 a like an analogy I use all the time is like be your own parent um because like you like I said like you are still that kid but then you're also that adult (laughs) and like both both need both need attention like adults need different attention than kids but like at their core, we're all the same. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. And you'll have those things that you don't even understand. Like with you, someone, I wonder who it was that gave you advice that just really didn't fit well with you like yeah. so many years ago. Or if it was like a series of things, like there there might be something you don't even remember where it began. Or like I think someone, an adult 20 years ago was asking me questions and I felt really interrogated and judged and like I couldn't answer honestly and and now I still carry it with me like things kind of sink like stones within us sometimes absolutely and and when you have heroes as a kid 
or, you know, even as an adult, you know, you look up to this person and so often that can just turn into idolizing them. Either one, like I'm never going to retain this, which is just like an inferiority complex or Mm -hmm. two, you're like, I just need to copy everything they did. (laughs) And so then you're doing all these things that don't fit for you personally. Like they don't make you happy. They don't make you fulfilled. And why would they? They're what someone else did. And also, mm-hmm. like, what your perception of them was, like, which is already, that's just a whole other can of worms. Um, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. It's so messy, but it's also so synchronicitous. Like, it's, I like to think of it like, I don't know if you've ever really examined, like, an old Persian rug. <laughs> but <laughs> I can't say that I have. Well, go out there and do it because they're really fascinating because on on the one hand, you can see the rug, but sometimes if you turn them upside down and you look at the pattern from the from the bottom end, it looks like a tattered mess. Mm. Like it, it looks like just chaos and you can't really see where the colors are going and it's just kind of sheared away. And um, I like to think of life that way. Like we're just on the bottom end of this this elaborate Persian rug where it just looks messy and we don't see the patterns but we sense like maybe there is a pattern here maybe there is something beautiful going on but if we could only just flip it over and see the other side we'd see that every thread is going like in perfect synchronicity with the rest like everything has its place and it's actually creating this beautiful mandala all together shit i'm gonna have to go check out a persian rug now (laughs) (laughs) uh i love analogies my brain just like jumps to them so to go off your analogy with the rug um (laughs) something i've thought about a lot since leaving christianity is the idea of like good and bad emotions quote unquote um Mm. because you know when you're a christian there's they use like you know you're not really supposed to get angry necessarily um and shame plays like a very like shame is kind of good. Like you should feel shame because you're doing bad things. It will shame you into being better. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And I was just I was listening to this podcast the other day that was talking about like loose versus open cultures, and they were talking about how um, Sweden is actually like a super shame based culture, and Ooh. how um, like if you go if you're walking through a Swedish neighborhood everyone has like their curtains open and you can just like see into their house and it would be like rude to can you hear me yeah i can hear you oh i thought you cut out never mind so (laughs) there it would be kind of rude to like close your curtains because it's like what are they doing in there that they need to have to hide um and so i was curious um going off like your analogy of you know it looks it looks bad in certain areas, but then when you look at the full piece, it's good. Do you think there is a place for healthy shame? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, so I was also raised very religiously um, in a sect of Christianity called Christian Science. And that is not Scientology. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone always is like, like Tom Cruise, Scientology. Um, <laughs> no, there's no relation whatsoever, no congruent belief <laughs> systems, nothing in common. It's just kind of a smaller, lesser known um, form of Christianity. But I also 
spent some time at Christian science schools, like boarding schools and um, uniforms, the whole thing. And so my relationship, like many people who were raised Christian um, with shame is really complicated. Um, I think that when it's self-imposed shame, like when you know, or like if I know that something I did or said isn't aligned with who I am or isn't aligned with what I believe or isn't aligned with like just my values, then that shame is probably healthy because I know I can feel that it's not my truth or not like the right thing for me. But I believe like when it's community initiated shame, that's really dangerous because it's not allowing people the freedom to decide quote unquote right and quote unquote wrong, which I mean, I'm, I'm pretty opposed to like good, bad, right, wrong. It's all very subjective, but I think like so much, and maybe you had a similar experience, maybe not, but we had a community that I was in growing up that, that ascribes like, this is what's right and wrong. And this is what you should do. And da da da, and like, that doesn't really leave room for personal exploration, personal liberty. And it was kind of like, if you break these rules, you'll be out of the community. Yeah. Well, for me growing up, um, shame was not really something that I dealt with too much. Um, I, I went to a Christian school until I was in high school. Um, but like, I, I loved swearing. I was like drinking <laughs> when I was in middle school and I just like, I didn't feel bad about any of it. Um, did it feel but, like extra good because you knew it was quote unquote bad? No, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a rebellion thing. It was just, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm doing um, me. I got, I got in trouble one time in, in high school and my principal said to my mom, he was like, I know Andrew, he's a really good kid. I'm, I'm sure some other kids like pressured him into it. And my mom said, nope, nobody pressures my kids into anything. If they wow. did something wrong, they knew what they were doing and they wanted to do it. Um, so <laughs> but I, I would see, I would see um, like the damage it was doing uh, to people, like especially people like my age um that like this shame that they were living with like life is already hard enough when you're a kid and then add on uh you know like existential shame and Mm. you're you're really not doing them favors and so i i was always like very uh anti-shame and i think that's like that's part of i mean there's a lot of things but it's definitely part of why um like i try to be so open with people um but as I've gotten older, I, I feel like I've actually kind of gotten a more complicated relationship with shame. Um, like, like you said, like personal shame, like sometimes I'll do something, I'm not proud of it. And that just challenges me to do better because I think, yeah. like, okay, I don't, I don't want to feel this way again. Like, I'm going to do better. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but then, like you said, like with societal shame, you're kind of like preventing that person from growing. Um, because if they're just doing it because other people are telling them to, they're not really like taking the, like the, the value of it seriously. Like they're just taking it as a, like a protection method. Like they're not actually doing it because of, they agree with it. And so then as soon as society shifts in another direction, they're just going to do that thing as well. Um, yeah. 
And so that's why I'm mostly against it. But then just the, the, the part of me that just thinks we are like, we're just people on a rock (laughs) and like, maybe there's something more, but we're like, we don't know about it. Like we like based off what we can see, um, shame does sometimes work and it's going to work better for certain people than actually trying to uh, convince them that they need to change their behavior because of like a personal reason. Does that make sense? Um, It does. I think shame is extremely effective and can be extremely motivational. Um, I think, and so like the, the thing I grapple with then is like really giving people the benefit of the doubt because I'm, I'm not only, I'm not only preventing them from uh, having this ability to grow. I'm also like, in a way, putting myself in a position above them because I'm like, this person isn't smart enough to know why you should respect women. I'm just going to shame them into respecting women because then end result, like they're at least on the outside respecting women. And so See, I like it, that you used that example. I like that you used that example because I spent so many years in that community witnessing how like community inflicted shame actually created like false dishonest peers around me. Mm. Like because they knew it and and to me that is not authentic. Like, oh, like yeah, you were just absolutely. pretending to do Bible study, like, and it was wild. The hypocrisy <laughs> just always really shook me because I would see like the peers of mine who knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk and say the right things in Bible study. But I also knew that these were oftentimes the exact kids who were turning the corner and breaking all of those rules to the utmost. Yeah. And I was just like, how can you exist without combusting? Like, I can't. Like, I don't want to fake it in life. Like, while it is powerful, like, and it is almost, like, easier to use, like, to shame someone. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's just not the best method. Yeah, I agree. But you can't change anyone. You can't go in there and really, like, guarantee that you'll change someone's mind there you and I go again, having different thoughts on something, but ultimately coming (laughs) to the same (laughs) conclusion and action. Absolutely. Like, oh, I'm trying to think like, this is a topic I don't, I don't ponder too much. I mostly think about my relationship in like the way that I've chosen to live my life that, and I think you also are such a like awesome example of this is you've courageously gone and been like, okay, I'm a critical thinker. I admire my parents. I'm going to go on a different path. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of what I've done in life too has been like, no, I'm going to forge my own way. I'm going to look into these other belief systems. I'm going to kind of create my own manifesto and my own system, my own technique of just living and and spirituality and my connection with others. And I'm going to write the rules. And basically like I'm going to be in the driver's seat. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you and I were both I'm trying to think. I, don't, I guess I really have a thought of a phrase for it. Like, you and I are both very independent people, but then we're also very, uh, like, we're independent, but then people are also, like, very much so our focus. Which Definitely. Is kind of a, I'm very which is like an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. It is. It's so bizarre because I'm, like, 
yeah, I'm fiercely independent. I love my freedom. But I also, like, there's almost nothing that I value and cherish more than, like, really close one-on-one connections with people. Yeah. Well, I do think it's funny because you and I, like, we're both also pretty social people. Um, But then it would happen, like, every single, like, if you and I go out and there's, like, 20 people, you and I are going to, like, end up, like, in a corner talking about something. Talking about, like, ethics. (laughs) And nobody's like, nobody's like, look at those two antisocial pieces of shit. They're like, oh, look at Andrew and Tay. They're so fun. But (laughs) that always happens to me. I'll be at like a bar and I'll end up in like this in depth conversation about something like with one friend like over in the corner. And I'm like, this is so fun. Well, and and that's that's when when people are like, uh, they're like, it's really impressive. You read all these like, philosophical like scientific religious books and i'm like one thanks like i'll take the compliment because i'm really not good at taking compliments but i'm like thank you but i just genuinely enjoy doing it like i'm like part of me is doing it because i'm like i want to know and to be smarter but like also i just really enjoy this shit like i understand that most people think philosophy is really boring um and I'm not saying, no, listen, you just have to read this book by this person. And it will, like, I'm like, nope. If it's not interesting to you, that's fine. Like, <laughs> like people that love sports, I'm like, I, I can see in your eyes how much you love this thing. And I don't, yeah, think I, even fully under- I don't even fully understand how much you love it. But I know you love it. And, like, I'm not going to get there. But, like, I love that you have that. <laughs> it seems like you avoid even one thing that's really common that people do is like they follow confirmation bias. So they read books that they know are going to like affirm their beliefs and make them feel good. Or like they read, like it's, it's part of staying in their comfort zone. And, and what I really admire about you is you're super outspoken about like what you believe, but you're totally willing to read things that might challenge it. Yeah. I, I think one that was, my parents were always really big on that. And then two, uh, when I was in the debate team in college, that was like our whole thing. Like yeah. if, if we're going to be debating for this topic, we need to probably spend more time actually reading the arguments against it. Um, because one, it helps you understand the thing better, but if you already believe something and somebody believes something else, like it really does make more sense to figure out what they think Yeah, because so much of the time, when and this isn't just other people i'm speaking for myself personally when i don't agree with something and then i actually figure it out i might still not agree with it but i like disagreed with it for reasons that just were not accurate like i just had a total misunderstanding of what the thing was and i still don't agree with it but now at least i have a better footing of why i don't agree with it yeah and at least you can be educated and like we need to i think more people should adapt that method it's funny i was in debate in college too Oh, I didn't know. Um, I didn't join the team. I just took a class, um, but I kicked mm-hmm. butt so much that the professor was like, "Please join the team," and I was like, "No, this is exhausting." <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think like I, for example, I have curated like my social media. Like I'm okay. So if I'm gonna be scrolling on Instagram, I actually follow certain activists, and I won't name names, but I follow some activists who I don't agree with a hundred percent. Sometimes I agree with them and sometimes they kind of like really make me think or challenge me. Yeah. And like I do it because I want to be hearing this other perspective and I'm open 
to maybe my mind changing or at least at least being aware yeah and that's and that's something for me um i've kind of almost had to like take a step back on as far as social media goes um like if there's somebody i don't agree with just throw names out there like jordan peterson ben shapiro i would rather either like watch like a 40 minute youtube video of them like giving a lecture or read one of their books then follow them on social media because if i follow them on social media like you're not really getting anybody's like best on social media yeah you're just getting snippets but it's but it's also it's just the daily inundation of it so it's just this constant flow of things that make me angry Whereas, like, I can read the book and go, oh, okay, like, I still don't agree with this, but, like, I do actually agree with this, and this kind of helped me learn something, and this really fucking pissed me off, but now the <laughs> book is done. You know, like, when you close a book, yeah, there's the satisfaction of having away. finished it. There is no satisfaction from finishing a tweet and being like, no, I don't agree with you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, totally, and that's valid, and I think, like, I do it within reason. Like, if there's yeah. someone, I don't even know, if there's someone, like, who really goes against everything I believe in, I would not at all want them on my Instagram feed. I wouldn't even want to justify, like, their existence with the follow. <laughs> However, like, these are people who I'm, like, it's on the edge. Like, I know that they're intelligent. I know that they're capable. And I don't, I respect them. And I know that, like, I probably, especially it's usually, like, it challenges my own ideas of my own privilege which I think is really healthy. It's not like I'm following like anti-abortion leaders or something like that. Right, right. I just can't deal with. It's people that they're like just on the edge of where I'm like, hmm, I'm not there yet, but I'm willing to listen and like try to think this through. And it is like very confrontational. And like, I have a friend who says like, I don't go to Instagram for that. Like I go to Instagram to like escape reality and kind of like, zone out and see pretty pictures and and in so many ways I have curated my feed so that it, it's like very more mental health oriented or spiritual or cool quotes or people that like genuinely inspire me but yep. then I don't know I like to throw in a little bit of that challenge in there a little bit of that like growth because I know like ultimately even if it makes me a little uncomfy um there's still something to be learned from them um one thing See, I, the problem is is that when I'm doing these podcasts, like, people say interesting things, and then I'm listening to them, and then they stop talking, and I'm like, crap, I totally had something to say, but I was listening so closely that I forgot where I was going with this. It's good to be listening. That's good. Correct. It's good to be actually except, actively listening. Except when you're an interviewer. Like, you have to, like, it has to be, like, a 75-25%. Like, 75% of you is actively listening. The other 25% has to be like, all right, and then... Because um, you're the guide. Well, if it helps, I know my stream of consciousness kind of like jumps around. So I probably take you all over the place. <laughs> um, shit. What were we just what were we just talking about? Now well, I'm totally now I'm totally <laughs> off the rails. The general theme is kind of like confirmation bias and like the way that you read books that you don't agree with, but you still like maybe it actually like adds fortitude to the beliefs you already have, but like, oh, okay, okay. Now I now I remember. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that was saying, um, like, we need to stop pressuring celebrities to have, 
like a political stance on every single thing that happens because some celebrities are just like idiots. And so that's why we're getting like, 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 uh, who was it? I think it was Justin Bieber where he was like, he was like, I don't know everything going on in Columbia right now, but everybody needs to chill out. Like, and it was like, thanks Biebs. Like, wow. thank you for um, that. And so like, I do think it's an interesting mix where, um there is kind of this shame around like oh you didn't know about this genocide happening in xyz or oh you didn't know about this like labor movement and blah 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 and um like i do i understand people like these are things people care about and so they're those feelings like of like anger and resentment it's it's easy to then channel that into like shaming people for not knowing about it but I think to some extent, like, of course it is, you need to know what's going on in the world. It's, it's important. It's also healthy for you as a person just to be aware of things and it helps create empathy and understanding. But to some extent, like you don't, it's, it's not fair to expect yourself to know every single thing that is going on at all times and have a firm, definite stance on what needs to be done. Um, and I think social media can kind of push people to do that in a way that, uh it wasn't it wasn't a thing before like there's just you know where would you even talk about stuff like that except you know at the bar or at the dinner table um because i i can't like i I spend a lot of time reading and on social media and stuff and i'm still learning about new global situations every single day and i don't think i'm gonna get to i don't think i'm gonna get to a point where i'm like okay now i know what's going on like no never and and one thing I think about a lot is like the human species hasn't evolved to the point that our brain is capable of comprehending the vastness and the complications of the world. Like it's overwhelming because there was never a time quite like this before where we had to know all of this stuff or or where we were exposed to this. And it's super overwhelming. Um, There's way too many causes. Like we need to save the whales. We need to save the children. We need to blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, there's infinite things. And and it's super challenging to navigate balancing that. And and like, for example, I, I can't stand the idolatry of needing like celebrities to have a stance in order to like yeah. justify them as like being right. good. What? Being a good celebrity? Like you need to like, I don't know. I, I think that we do need to normalize, like you said, being like, I don't know enough about this yet. Yeah. Um, and that's something even I kind of remind myself of because, for example, I, I do try – I know that it's almost, like, silly because it's not like I'm an influencer whatsoever. And so, like, I don't know if I'm, like, changing anyone's mind or giving them any, like, new information when I do try to share resources. Um, and so I try to be really intentional of just reflecting, like, what I'm currently educating myself on. Yeah. Like, I try to really hold myself to a standard of like, I'm not going to share like a donate link, for example, or a resource link unless I've looked at the resources or unless I've donated. Like, so many people, they share like, oh, you can send relief to India through here. And they think that by sharing it, one of their like 800 followers might do it. And then like five of those followers also share it and no one donates to the cause right. or even researches it. And so that's so hollow. And oh, I think about that. 
it's a toughie because yeah, you do want to be aware of the world, but like sometimes you need to just take a step back and like go inward because I believe that time spent going inward is still time with the world. Like people think when they're alone that they're not connected to anything and that's not true. Like you actually really need to kind of like go in, find your power, find your peace, check everything out in there. And then like all of that will reflect into your immediate surroundings. Um, try and get more involved in like your local community too. When I lived in the States, I was like doing, <laughs> I was helping with like mayoral campaigns um, in my small town in Washington state. And like, yeah, cause it, if you're drowning in it and it's just super overwhelming, kind of like come back to where you are and just try to like be kind, try to be a leader in the sense that you're living by example and you're showing people the qualities that you want to see and, and like debate those things with your family, debate important causes in person, but don't just like mindlessly post it on your story. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think um, you can really only take so much of the world's weight on your shoulders. Um, you know, and, and that's like, for me, like as an example, um, I've stopped watching police brutality videos. Mm. Um, after, after Philando Castile, after like, cause I, I, it was like on Facebook live and, uh, somebody had shared it and I was like, Oh, what's this? And I like, I was watching it live, like, like his, his wife holding the phone and like yelling at the cops and stuff. And I was just like in a funk for like three days. And I was like, I'm, I'm done watching these videos because it's not, I'm not helping anybody by watching yeah, these just, videos. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm hurting myself. Like I'm already on, I'm on the side of Philando Castile. Like I support him. I don't need to watch him be murdered uh, to support him. Cause it like in a certain after a certain time, it's just sadism just to bring that kind of stuff yeah. into, your, into your consciousness. Um, and so that's, that's definitely something I've tried more and more is just like, okay, like, let's be aware of the issues. Like, let's know what's going on. Like, let's try to articulate ourselves. But then also, like, know when to take a step back and just, like, breathe and yeah, recognize, and like... Yeah, like just yeah, like notice the stress that you're putting yourself through by being aware of these things. Um, yeah, and for me it fluctuates. Like there's times when I literally cannot take it. Like the world has always really overwhelmed me and I'll just get like in this spiral and it's just my mental health like can't handle it and I feel like my brain just isn't capable <laughs> of understanding the whole world. Um but then there's also times like it changes where like I can witness something or like watch a video and it actually like lights a fire instead of just wounding me and like depleting me yeah it lights a fire where I'm like damn like this is so fucked up I'm gonna be really passionate about this I'm gonna take these resources and like I'm gonna have these conversations because like it's so evident but you have to like observe your power source <laughs> and just see like how you're doing moment to moment and like if you need to set those boundaries for yourself that's completely okay like yeah, because it's not serving the world to just right. be wounded. <laughs> um, one thing, like, kind of related to that, like, you were saying how it builds a fire in you. Um, 
think like there's this idea um of like performative justice and it's like oh this person's just doing it uh just to show off or you know they're, they're just virtue signaling and stuff and i think like I'm, I'm sure that happens uh but i think so often people aren't giving credit for how a lot of times like people are reacting out of pain and part of the way of dealing with that pain and the fear and uh like their response then is to be vocal and active and sometimes might be too aggressive and that's like it's a defense mechanism like it's them like seeing something that makes them feel scared and insecure which you know often is valid and sometimes it's not but often it is and they're acting out of that and so then you know i think some people just have such a hard time putting themselves in the shoes of other people then they're just like oh they're just performing um uh like the idea what's it called uh like yeah like virtue signaling they're like oh they're just virtue Mm -hmm. signaling and i just i can't stand that term um (laughs) yeah and how do you know how do you know? You have no idea. Exactly. Exactly. On. Well, and, and my thing, like whenever somebody, when, when somebody was, nobody, nobody has uh, accused me of virtue signaling before, but I'll post something and someone will be like, oh, so-and-so is virtue signaling. And I'm like, okay, I'm not an expert on what virtue signaling is, but isn't calling someone out on virtue signaling virtue signaling? <laughs> I think it is. I think that that's, uh, what is it when you like, uh, it's not mirroring, but when you blame someone else for doing what you're doing, there's a word for it. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure, but that's that's it'll, yeah. It'll come my, to me. I I totally think um, you know it's like the idea where like if you lie to everyone, you assume everyone's lying to you. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. It's, um, it's not reflecting. It's like it's when you put it on. Oh my gosh, it's gonna pop into my head at some point. Um, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna text so me in like three days. <laughs> yeah, I literally don't I'm like, ah. um, but yeah, and, and that's the thing about people's reactions. People are so complex. You don't know if someone's like raging or like deeply passionate from a place of pain. Some people get louder and bolder yep. and some people get quieter yep. and more inward. And like for me, I'm both. It just depends on the moment and the situation. Yeah, same. And so and I, we can't really like call people out for their own inner workings that we have no idea about. Right. Well, and that's, that's, I usually try to come from a place when I'm talking with people, just taking them at what they say, um, which like, like I was saying earlier, sometimes as a way of uh, correcting something, I like overcorrect where it's like, <laughs> and like, you, you want to know a way I've changed in China. That is a huge thing where in America, I'm like, say it with your teeth, like, if, if, I I'm said saying, what I said. <laughs> if I'm like, do you, do you want pizza or tacos? And you say pizza and point to the tacos. I'm like, you want pizza? Because that's what you said. I'm ignoring all the cues. This is what you said. But in China, like, I have to be so much more aware of, okay, they said this, but like, what cues are they giving me? And I'm not saying just completely ignore what people are saying and assuming I know what they mean, but... Yeah, but take it all into account. Asking, asking them, like, hey, like, I know you're saying this, but, like, maybe, what about this? And then they're like, actually, yeah, that'd be a lot better. I'm like, cool, sick, awesome, glad we had that talk. Thank Um, you for acknowledging that, though. Like, normalize asking clarifying questions if you're not sure. (laughs) Yeah. 
um, that's a been a big thing uh, for sure. Because, um, and it, but it, it's it, it really is a challenge for me a lot of the time taking people like at their word. <laughs> like like that's it's really I say it all the time. I'm like it's pretty much the biggest thing I struggle with is like someone's like yeah this is what I think and this is why I think it. I'm like, are you for real? Like are you? you <laughs> that's really what you think like you okay like you just said you think it's harder to be a white man <laughs> to be a black woman is that really is that really yeah. what you this think are you really saying that? like this? like like because like we'll have that discussion but like oh, like are you gonna really like waste my time like you can just say something else like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be mad at you for changing what you said like yeah Seriously, yeah, you can change your mind. You can admit you were wrong. Do you think, though, I'm just curious, I don't know if this is related, but, like, is it a trust thing with you? Like, do you not trust people or, like, what? Um, it's it's not, like, I, I guess it is partially not a trust. It is part of a trust issue, but it's not a trust issue where I'm saying, um, I don't trust you because I'm scared you're going to hurt me. It's more so, like, it, it, I guess it's kind of a pride thing where it's me being like, I'm being honest, therefore you should be honest. Like, I'm coming from a place of quote-unquote vulnerability. You should match me. And <laughs> so, and of course, most people, the vast majority of people are not willing to just like completely open up their feelings about something. Um, and especially not things that are like super personal. Yeah, um, or uncomfortable or might not be... right and so my my like rule for dealing with people is you can only engage them as deeply as they've engaged themselves oh my gosh i i can't believe you said that because i was as you were talking i kept thinking of the quote people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves yeah and so you've met yourself yeah you're just observing like you're kind of like hey buddy like you need to go and like meet yourself a little deeper yeah and so, like, I found that I found that quote on Tumblr. I think when I was like maybe twelve, and I was just oh, like, "Bingo! Yes. Like, this is my pot of gold." And what was what was your Tumblr username? Mystic Wolf Toast. Amazing. I wonder if I followed you. <laughs> maybe that'd be cool. Um, yeah, but I was like, okay, this is gold, and like, that's like what I've told my siblings, like, ever, like because I'm the oldest and like that's what I would always tell them and that's just how I've lived my life and then I would say like the last like pretty much like since I've left college I've just been like adding to that more and so like you can only engage people as deeply as you've engaged or you can only engage people as deeply as they've engaged themselves but that doesn't even necessarily mean they want to engage you on that level and that's That's okay like yeah and, and don't take it personally yeah, I I think that is that is like I said, it's kind of more of a pride thing, where it's like I'm being vulnerable. Why mm-hmm. aren't you being? Am I not worthy of your vulnerability? But Haven't you cool, seen like, how yourself. cool and open I am? <laughs> I'll be like, damn, I can show up. Like this is how I show up, and I don't do it performatively. I don't do it so that you show up. I do it because like I can show up to this level because I've done this work I've done I've figured these things out and I'm gonna represent it and reflect it because like I show I don't know I try to think of it that way at least or like in 
in friendships or in relationships. Like I, I give what I can because yeah. like I want to and because I can and that's my capacity. Um, oh, I thought of the word. I thought of the word. It's projecting. Everyone's always oh, projecting. Yeah. Everyone yeah. is always projecting. So yeah, if someone's ever just like weirdly rude to you, probably just project it. They're probably having a bad day. Right. Like it probably, I mean, almost guaranteed has nothing to do with you. <laughs> like we all need to stop taking everything so personally. Well, and so to go off of uh, projection, um, I think since you and me are both pretty like open, honest people and, you know, just like accepting um, we then tend to also think other people are that way. Um, mm-hmm. And have you had to kind of like draw boundaries with people where you're like, okay, wait a second. I actually need to like take a step back um, because this person is going to like, you, like this is fuel for this person. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm really selective. Um, I think that there's something to connect with in, probably every person. I think that everyone has things to teach us. I love listening to different people's perspectives and stories, but like I am pretty, I have this feeling, like it really comes down to an intuition for me on all levels, like friendship, romantic, like it's happened. I know the second like I see someone, if I'm going to fall in love with them, it's not that I love them then, like I know that it's very likely and that it will and I'm never wrong and then with friends like I'll see someone and I'll just feel like this pull and I feel this sense of like I don't know if it's like a similar vibration recognizing that vibration or something but I just like and and the flip side of that and something that I'm working on is like I'll also kind of know if I'm not really gonna vibe with you Mm. and that's something I'm really pushing myself as I get older to, to not decide because I don't want to just write people off because right. I don't have like a little ping. Always surprise you. And, and so, yeah, I'm trying to kind of be a little bit more open and like give people multiple chances, but I'm definitely more naturally guarded unless I feel just a stronger connection. Well, and it's, it's also, you know, maybe, maybe you and that person aren't going to click because you're the current version of Taylor that you are. But then if you give that person, then you might turn in, you might shift in a way that will make you the person that would get along. Yeah. Or or maybe it's like, we just have so many layers. Like maybe they're guarded like me. And then like, I'm a guarded person and they're a guarded person. And we both need to get through that. I, I know for me, um, like, I've had friends where, like, because I'm pretty much the exact same way as you, like, where I meet somebody and I'm like, okay, this person, yeah. like, that's going to be my person. Though. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, that's, that's like, my thing. Like, I'm, it's, it's funny when I'm drunk, <laughs> but sometimes I do genuinely feel bad for it because I just, like, attack strangers, basically. And I'm like, we're best friends now. And they're like, we just met. And I'm like, talk to me in six months. And then six months later, they're like, we're best friends now. And I'm like, I know. I told you you that first night. Yeah, literally me. I just, I know. I'm I'm the same person the whole time. (laughs) Like, it wasn't just one time. Um, But, so, like, I'll have friends that, like, you know, I see them right away and, like, we're going to be friends. And then there will be things about them that I don't necessarily like, but because I like them, it alters my opinion about that thing. 
And so then when I meet somebody else who I don't like, who has that similar quirk, I'm able to like appreciate them more for that quirk because I've appreciated it in somebody else. Um, That's super interesting. Do you have like an example? Like, um, this isn't, this isn't like a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Having panic attacks is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean? I can see how that could be like, it could be. But if you're it could be if, hard to if, understand. If there's someone, if there's someone like, if there's someone you don't like, and then they're more anxiety driven, you know, it's easier to not like that person because people oh, with anxiety, especially if you're very, uh, like, if you respond to people like, and they have anxiety, like that gives you anxiety, and then yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say like I have anxiety, but like other people's anxiety will give me anxiety, and like right. I don't need that. So, I had a friend in college who would have panic attacks fairly regularly um, at that time in her life. And so then I just went on Google and figured out like what to do when someone has a panic attack. And so then like, it was like a crash course basically um, being friends with this person. And then uh, there was this woman at work. This was, this was a while ago, but this was after college, after I, after me and that friend had already, you know, moved away uh, to separate places. But there was this woman at work who I didn't get along with. Like we weren't, there was no negative relationship. We just weren't friends. And I did, wasn't really crazy about her. Um, because, you know, like I said, if I see somebody, you're my friend. And then if I see you and I'm like, we probably won't be friends. Then I just yeah, don't like, connect eh. with them. Like, eh. But then this woman has a panic attack and I'm like, oh, I know what to do. And so I, I help, I help this woman with her panic attack. And then after that, like, we have, like, a much nicer, friendlier relationship that we wouldn't have had if I hadn't previously uh, had a friend who suffered from panic attacks. I guess that experience just kind of, like, humanized her for you. And it's, it's endearing. When we see the human qualities in people, it's, it's endearing. When we see the vulnerabilities and the cracks and, like, the kind of, like... Actually, do you, are you interested in, like, etymology of words and things? Um, to not to like to Allison's extent, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it definitely is interesting to me. I'll tell you a good one. I t- I talk about this all the time, but um, the word vulnerable comes originally from Latin vulnus, as far as we know. Could have been earlier, but Latin takes the credit for so much. <laughs> right. But anyway, it comes from Latin vulnus, which literally meant open wound so to be vulnerable is like walking around with an open wound that's awesome yeah i love that one i had a friend in college and she wrote poetry and so she just tweeted out like if you want me to write a poem about you just like this tweet i don't know when i'll get it to you but i'll get it to you so i liked it of course because i like when people write things about me (laughs) (laughs) and so I've still got it saved, but one thing she wrote about that, like, I was just like, oh, shit, this is, like, one of the coolest things anybody's ever said about me. Um, she said she wears his, he wears his heart on his sleeve so that he can stay raw for the world. And I was like, damn, dude, like, that is some poetic shit and also really, <laughs> really nice. When you feel <laughs> just like, seen and understood. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, you noticed? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, was one of those, like, it was one of those things where it's like, it wasn't even like, oh, you saw it. It was like, shit, I didn't even know that about myself until you put it to Whoa. words. Like, that's super cool. Do you wear that I kind never... of like a badge now? Like, you, you're like, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I, never, I just had never thought of it that way. Because um, like, there definitely are, I mean, I was going to say there are two sides to me, but there's definitely more than that. But. <laughs> There, there are there are two sides where one I am just naturally very curious, and so being open and kind and inquisitive with people, those are good things to be if you're just naturally curious. Like people yeah. are going to be more open with you if you're more open with them, and if you don't judge them, they're more likely to be honest. So there is just like that curious side of me where, and I think that has a lot to do with like being a writer too. I'm just interested in people. Um, but then there is also just like the genuine, like vulnerable. I want people to uh, feel safe and feel comforted, and like those those are two separate things. And luckily, they just work really well together, and other people like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've noticed it's like a method that works. It's true though. Like if you show up with kindness and with patience and with like an openness, people are much more likely to reflect it back. Yeah, definitely. And I think I've gotten a lot better at that over the years because I switched schools so many times and now I just live like more of a nomadic lifestyle where I'm always moving. So I'm kind of like semi-constantly needing to be adapting to a new place and new cultures and like make new friends. And I mean, basically what I do is I'm just like, hey, like I'm Tay, like I'm Taylor, I'm new here. <laughs> I want to make friends. <laughs> like I'll just say it. I'll be like, I'm looking for people to connect with. And then people are like, oh, well, like, have you tried this group? Or, like, have you gone to this place? Or, like, oh, come sit with us. Like, so friendly. <laughs> so have you ever, because you've been around so much, have you ever just been like, okay, I am going to change this. Like, when I go to this new place, there's going to be this slightly altered thing about Tay. Like, this version of Tay wears hats. <laughs> or, like... <laughs> this version of Tay, like, have you ever just, like, been like, okay, new new thing, here we go, like, let's test it out? Well, how did I, how did I introduce myself in Shanghai? Tay, right? Yeah. This is a weird thing. I changed my name, like, it's not, it's just either Tay or Taylor, mm -hmm. um, versus, depending on, like, what country I'm in, and, like, Tay in China was an obvious move, because it's easier for people to say. Yeah. Um, but in Cambodia, for some reason, it was really hard. I don't know why for people to say Tay. And so then I like was Taylor. And now I'm on like a full Taylor moment. Mm. Um, yeah, but in terms of my personality, um, no, I like to think that I get better with time um, because I'm kind of stepping more into like who I am and I've overcome more. I'm so I'm more resilient. I have kind of more stories, more adventures under my belt. Um, and there is nothing like the feeling of when you first arrive somewhere and you don't know anyone. Mm. It is like that kind of like spy moment where you're like, I could be anyone. <laughs> um, and I do have a little bit of a bad habit of like sometimes like when I'm out, <laughs> I'll like go by a different name. Like basically I have a code for any of my girlfriends if they're around me. Like if some guy starts talking to me and I introduce myself either as Miranda um or Svetlana because everyone thinks I look Russian yeah um that's like basically like I am not interested in this person 
awesome. but I also think it's really fun to like kind of try and switch accents but I do it just just for my own joy and it has gotten me in some sticky situations or like <laughs> in, in Phnom Penh I didn't think I was gonna live there and so I stopped by this one place like near my apartment and I was like hello like I'd like a beer or something like in a stupid British accent and then like every time I went back there I had to like still be British <laughs> That's funny. I saw, um, I saw like a tweet the other day and this guy messaged this woman and he was like, Hey, like you gave me your number last night. Um, had a really good time. Uh, like let's go out sometime. And the response was like, sorry, man. Like my name's Calvin. Like she must've given you the wrong number. And then like two years later, it was the woman again. And she was like, Hey, it's Miranda from psych. Like, did you get the notes? (laughs) That's amazing. Wait, I'm going to, that's amazing yeah so usually it's just like a code like it started as a code like Miranda was my first identity and she was always from like Nova Scotia um and yeah it was supposed to be like a signal to those around me like okay help me in this conversation um it didn't always work see I'm not a big fan of like I'm gonna go be the new person in this situation um, you know, like when I came to China, I came with Fern, mm. uh, when I, when I moved, when I left my college town and went to Nashville, I moved with a buddy and Fern was also there. Um, yeah. and it's not because it's not because I'm like, Oh man, like it's gonna be hard for me to make friends. Cause that's never been the problem. It's just like, if I'm left to my own devices, I'm like, so just content with myself. I'm probably not going to go make new friends like yeah so it helps and, you it's like accountability fern, <laughs> fern so is cool. like fern is like totally the opposite side of that coin where fern has like a million friends and i'm like okay fern like you go do the fishing like i'll eat the fish and then uh <laughs> you, you know closer to your friends because you have like a million friends and i'm gonna pick the three that i like and keep them around i was um, telling this to my partner last night i was like all you need to do is make that one friend that's like a huge social butterfly. And then yeah. like everything's done for you. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I sensed though in Shanghai, I, I don't know if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I sensed both you and Fern kind of wanting to like individualize yourselves, like not be seen as a unit because you came in together. Um, I think there was definitely, th- I think, for one, there was just a level of comfortability with me and him because we'd been friends. At that point, we'd been friends for like four or five years or something like that. And so it wasn't it wasn't so much like, oh, like we need to have the exact same friend group because like we're best friends and we, so we should always be together. Um, there definitely was this idea of like, okay, maybe I won't see you for two weeks, but that's fine. We've been friends for six years. Who cares if it's two weeks? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Fern and I, for as similar as we are in a lot of ways, we're also very different. And so, like, we can't be around each other 24-7. Yeah, you'll drive and each so, other nuts. Exactly. Like, we're, like, we really are, like, we just have, it's like I was saying, like, you're saying, you and me, like, we have vastly different beliefs, but they, they usually end up in the same place. Me and Fern are not yeah. that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just want to say one more thing on that. It would be really easy for us or like for me, I guess I can only speak for myself. It could be easy listening to you. I'm remembering a specific day when we had a bunch of conversations about like spirituality and all these things. 
Like it, it could be easy for me to get defensive or not listen to what you're saying and just be like, oh, this guy like really disagrees with me. Like he's never going to see like my point. Like we're coming from such different places. And like if, if I had done that, which was like tempting, I might have missed out on realizing that we're actually saying like almost exactly the same things or we're coming to the same conclusion. And it's yeah. such a good lesson and reminder to like, just listen. Don't be attached. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, because yeah, you could have I... been like, oh, this girl, like, she's going to, like, I'm never going to believe in, like, I don't like the <laughs> word God, but, like, oh, she's going to, like, try and, like, convince me that there is a God or something. Like, oh. Right. Well, and I think the thing with me and Fern is, like, we've known each other for so long. It is, like, a sibling relationship in a lot of ways. And so um, we'll have, like, some sort of philosophical difference. But then he'll be like, and you didn't take out the trash. And I'm like, it was your <laughs> turn to take out the trash, asshole. And then it's like, oh that's, what, like, that's that. what we were actually arguing about. Like, the philosophy was just, like, the vehicle for us to, like, get to the point where we're like, you didn't clean the bathroom well. Like, the it's bathroom like a was relationship. like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love those friends with whom you can be, like, really real and, like, you see kind of, like, the best and the worst parts of them and you're able to be like, hey, like, I noticed this or like when you did this um, wasn't my favorite. And you know that you're still going to like overcome it, that you're going to talk through these things. Like I, I really enjoy my friends that are honest with me and that call me out yep. way more than people that are not actually helping me in life by just allowing me to be like oblivious or whatever. Right. Well, cause it is also kind of self-serving in a way to not call your friends on their shit. Um, like, yeah, um, there is like a, uh, man, what is it? There's some MLK quote. And I, I can't remember it. I'll throw it at the end of the podcast later, but he basically says, uh, like you can't have peace without justice or something where it's just, it's like, it's a false peace if everybody just submits. Yeah. And I think sometimes like you can have a quote unquote peaceful situation with your friends if you never call them on their shit ever because then there's no fight. Um, yeah, there's no accountability, there's no friction, and there's no yeah. truth. Right. And, like, sometimes, like, you can have peace and conflict at the same time. Like, conflict helps peace. I'm not saying war, <laughs> but I'm saying... Oh, I agree. I'm a very, between, like... Conflict between people, um, between individuals, I'm all about. Yeah, I was going to say, you you probably are a pretty, like, confrontational person. Or if something is, like, right there below the surface, I could see you, like, acknowledging it. And being like, so, like, this is going on. Right, <laughs> you know? right. And I'm and the same way. I'm, I'm not at all afraid of conflict. Yeah. And I think, um, but then for me, like, so, like, I was saying, like, I did debate. I did not like debate at all. And the reason I didn't like debate was because, like, it's not a good faith argument. Like, you don't go in there. And you're like, I believe A, they believe B, like, let's meet somewhere. It's like, no, like, no matter what points you make, like, I am just going to take, like, the most bad faith argument. Because the point is winning. Yes, like, it's so. a competition. Yeah, you and, have to win. Right. And, like, because it's, it's a game. It's a competition. And I don't like games or competition. And um, my, my debate team, like, they would always make fun of me. Because, like, my go-to line... Uh, when I was debating, I would always say, like, we're all saying the same thing here. And I would basically just try to say, like, they're saying what we're saying. We're just saying it better. That's why we should win. Um, 
because it's like I like I like conflict, but not because uh, I like like the aggression of it. I like conflict because then we can get rid of it and we're done with it and we moved on and we've reached like a more equitable place. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Do you believe in radical transparency? I, I've heard the term, but if you wanted to explain it, that'd be great. So this is something that I've adopted. Um, and I use this in work, in friendships, in relationships. And basically it's like, I'm just gonna be upfront with you. <laughs> like radical transparency is kind of, usually you agree upon it or you let people know. Like, for example, I recently did a whole like rebranding for this big brand. And part of that was I needed to design a logo. And I've made like little logos before, but this was like a much bigger deal. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm decent at designing, but it's something I'm still cultivating and learning. So I'm not like a top like designer. I'm not, I'm still kind of learning the ropes. And so basically it was for like this whole solar um, brand where we needed to order a new system of solar inverters new stock in like the hundreds of solar inverters and they needed to have the new logo on them by like this day right and we get to like the day before the day that we were going to be ordering stock and I'm looking at what we have and I'm like this is not it yeah this is not it no one's gonna like that I have to say that it would be a lot easier for me to be like yeah this is good enough <laughs> let's do it and so I basically had to call my boss and I was like, hey, listen, Angela, I was like, you know me. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I've always told you I stand for radical transparency. And she's like, OK. And I'm like, so I have to tell you something. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, we can't do it. I need more time. <laughs> and it's like, it's difficult. But you know what? I took oh, like yeah. I think, one week more and found a much better logo. And now, like, I'm really confident with it. And it looks so much better. And, and that's just like one example. Also in, yeah. in relationships, there's like a million moments in which you can be transparent. But when you and your partner like trust each other to be honest, even if right, the other right. person might not like it, then it just, it creates such a better foundation of honesty. I feel like you probably do stand for this. Yeah, definitely. Um... And again, this, we're coming right back to the overcompensating thing. Um, I Actually, one of my friends recently, she just said to me, she was like, Andrew, like, you don't need to say everything that comes into your head. <laughs> um, yes, I do. I'm being honest. <laughs> right. Like, there is, there is definitely, and I think this is not to, not to blame my family, but I think this, especially when we were all kids, because, of course, kids are a little bit more uh, violent with each other. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of like using honesty as a weapon is definitely something I've had to like grow in. Um, there's a quote from girls. I don't know if you ever saw that show on HBO. Um, I didn't, but I know, but I think I know of it. This, this one of this, this, she's like a mentor figure. And she says, sometimes honesty is only a party trick. And mm, when no. I heard that, I was, I was like, Oh shit. Like, I was I was probably like 16 or 17 at the time and I was like I totally do that like when I'm honest it's not always coming from a place of like I just want to be honest so everybody knows what I feel it's like 
I'm going to create some shock and awe with my honesty. Like I'm gonna blow away. Yeah, you're you like away. throwing a rock into the into the pond. You're like boom. <laughs> Watch. Exactly, exactly. I'm like this situation is boring. Let me be honest. That'll Brought make things interesting. Now. Exactly, and so I think I've definitely gotten better at it, but it's definitely still like a thing to grow in. Where, um, you know, if your honesty isn't helping the other person understand you and if it's not uplifting them then in that process then you probably need to frame it differently yeah Um, you don't need to yeah you don't need to say everything that's for sure right Um, and like it it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a weapon what'd you say no i guess i was saying like unless asked but even then i'm trying to think of examples but yeah we all have so many thoughts and so many perspectives and not all of them Like, not all of honestly, most of them don't really matter. Absolutely. Oh, man, have you ever done, like, a silent retreat or something? No, I have not. I'm, that's, it's, it's not that I'm not interested. It just sounds terrifying to me. It sounds, (laughs) it terrifies me as well. Like, I, I have friends that have done it and they come back and they're like, I just realized that majority of what we say is absolute nonsense. And now, like, I weigh my words. And to an extent, um, I think I already try to do that. But yeah, it, I think it says a lot about me um, how terrified of that I am. Like I was actually at a yoga retreat before I left Cambodia. It was just a week long retreat. And there was one day, it was Thursdays, our silent day. And that was like the worst day ever for me. <laughs> like when it was Friday morning and we could talk again, I... I made some guy go out to coffee with me I'm like chugging my iced coffee and I'm like dude I had so many thoughts yesterday let me take you through it (laughs) like yeah well that's like when people say um like if you could have a superpower what would it be and they're like oh I wish I could read people's thoughts I'm like I could fuck fuck no like there are a few things I could think of that I would rather like have less than that like because it wouldn't it wouldn't help you understand anyone it wouldn't help you understand mm-hmm. anyone. Like you, it would just t- be terrifying. Like you yeah, your own thoughts not enough. Like, r- like aren't like aren't they enough already? Like yeah, and like we don't think the nicest things all the time. I don't want to hear no, that. I don't, no, I don't, I don't, no, thank you. I have enough. Yeah, Alex, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be. Mine is easy. I would teleport. Yeah, that's that's usually what I say as well. Teleport or like uh like teleporting in like time can Yeah. But not even like time control yeah. where like I go to the future or the past, literally just time control where I could just like take a moment in re- like in the present. You know what I mean? Just, just pause. Like, pause. Yeah. <laughs> do you I do um, like, I've noticed most people smoke cigarettes largely I think because like obviously it's addicting take a yeah like sometimes you just go i think some people the only time in the day that they take to stop and like breathe deeply even though they're breathing in like these nicotine fumes is when they're smoking i i've said yeah do you smoke no do you take breaks (laughs) (laughs) i do take breaks but (laughs) i don't smoke it doesn't do anything for me like I used to, like, if I was really drunk and somebody was like, you want a cigarette? I'd be like, yeah, but because it just, 
it makes me it doesn't make me feel good like it, it's not like it gives me like it doesn't make me sick it's just the next day i wake up and i'm like eh. but yeah it's just yeah, never I done anything work. for me i thought it was a little bit and then like one day i was smoking on my porch and i looked at it and i was like ew no i mean it is it is kind of cool but <laughs> it is it is gross as well it's about that some people yeah. smoke i think because breaks and for me yeah because like, I kind of want to smoke. Yeah. Even like I'll be at this feeling. Sometimes I just get really overstimulated, or like I couldn't just tell I'm not present. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, okay, guys, and like basically, it's sad that it's socially acceptable to go smoke a cigarette, but it's well to just go stand outside. Yeah. Just be like, I'll be back, and I go and I stand. Sometimes I even do like the hand motions. If it helps, like mm. just smoke an invisible cigarette. Ten minute walk, reset myself. Constantly having to reset and recenter and recalibrate myself. I go, I take a break, and I go back, and then I'm like, boom, present again. Yeah, well, that's like when I tell people that breathing is in my top five favorite things. They're like, <laughs> usually they're just like, yeah, we all need to breathe, bro, and I'm like. No, I don't mean breathing like the, like, put me underwater. Like, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could breathe. Like, I literally enjoy the process of, like, doing nothing else but sitting there and, like, focusing on my breath and, like, taking deep breaths. It's literally one of my top five favorite things. It feels so good. Yeah. Do you do any, like, Wim Hof or anything? I'm, I'm not familiar with that term. Oh, it's like a breathing technique that this crazy guy developed. No, I haven't so heard of that one. Go, oh, I'll send you. It actually was Wim. Cool. It's this technique that like warms and kind of energizes mm. your whole body. It's called like getting high on your own supply because basically like you, this is a pretty extreme one, but you over oxygenate your own blood and then you feel like kind of. Oh, wow. And then Wim Hof, the original guy, like actually went and like climbed or something besides, oh, according geez. to legend um but yeah i used to do like wim hof now i use some other techniques like alternate nostril breathing and things like mm. that yeah um yeah i do that you tried that one that one's great um yeah i was like shoot probably like six or seven years old and i read like a ton of star wars books at that age and um so i'm reading this book and this jedi just would do this like uh like six seconds in six seconds out like hold for four seconds like breathing technique it's like oh mm. cool i want to be a jedi i'm six years That's old jedi like, shit. yeah like i'm gonna do that and so i started doing it like every night and i did it every night for like years and so i've been doing breathing exercises since i was like in like first grade and so then, like, when I got into, like, yoga and stuff, I was like, oh, shit, this is, like, a whole thing. This isn't just, like, something from a Star Wars book. This is... You're, like, <laughs> non-Jedis do this, too. There's there's thousands of years of practice put into this. That's such a good example of you just, like, being who you are, too. Like, yes, yeah. you've grown and changed. Doesn't it kind of make sense, looking back, you're, that we've always kind of been becoming who we are today, anyway? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been going to like actual yoga classes, right? I've seen some pics. 
Yeah, yeah. I go like once or twice a week. Um, not we right can, now, like, obviously. But yeah, we got water in the knee. Water in the knee. Right. <laughs> Uh, I've seen you in like a very pretzel-like position, but I remember laughing at your post because it was like this really elaborate post and you were like, how come I can do this? Like impressive pretzel pose, but not this. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't do downward dog. I can't do downward dog. Wow. Literally like That's... the most basic yoga pose possible. I can't do it. And That's like, fascinating. I'm getting, it's, I'm getting better so, at it. Like how unique you are and you can't compare. Right. Do you think anyone else? Because our bodies are. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I would say like nothing has like gotten me more like into my body than breathing and doing yoga for sure. And that's like, and I say to people, I'm like, yoga like isn't for everybody, but breathing exercises i think everybody can find value in that like i don't even think like i mean breathing exercises and meditation are obviously really similar but i don't think uh like just sitting for 10 minutes and just like 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 emptying your mind quote unquote like not everybody can do that that's or everybody can do it but it's not going to be as helpful for everybody um yeah and, and it, the same probably everyone but for some people Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm like, just everybody can just sit back, take like three deep breaths and then go back to whatever they're doing. And it's going to help everybody. Yeah. And that's so accessible. It's literally as accessible as the air that we breathe. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Even like running. I don't know. I used to be a runner and they talk about the runner's high. That's a meditation. Mm -hmm. Oh, or yeah. like absolutely. Journaling or just going for a walk. Well, it's like so, many, so many of those sports that are uh, like solo are really mm -hmm. just really long meditations, running, running especially. And um, I read, uh, I don't know if you know who Andre Agassi is. He was this really famous tennis player. Or, um, yeah, I do. I had no clue who he was. That's the only reason I say it. I had no clue who he was. And um, my girlfriend at the time was like, oh, you should read this book. It's really good it's this tennis player and I'm like, okay, I don't care about tennis or sports, but I'll read it. And it was one of the best biographies, autobiographies I've ever read. Like not just sports. I think I've read it. I think I've a, read uh, it years ago, like a long, long time ago. I read his book. I can picture the cover in my brain. Yeah. It's his face like really close up. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so good. But he talks about how like playing tennis, like you're not playing against somebody else. Like you're playing, it's yourself. And how it is kind of like similar to meditation where it's just you and that's like the scariest part of it is like you just like he's like, I don't beat people. They beat themselves. And Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. So, you, so like, go ahead. Well, you said you didn't really like competitive sports growing up and I didn't either, mostly because for me, it's like I have an immense fear of um, quote unquote letting the team down. Mm. <laughs> So, like, I don't mind if I let myself down, but, like, I hated that little kickball, like, in recess. And, like, everyone would be like, ah, oh, hey. <laughs> so, like, I just didn't want to put that on myself. Did you do That's any? That's adorable. Like, did you play? Did you run? Did you, like, what was your outlet for that? Um, so, I I did wrestle in high school. Um, and, like, I hated it. But, um, 
it, I definitely learned a lot from that. Um, and like, I'm happy I did it. Like I did it to like make my dad and my grandpa happy. Um, mm-hmm. which, like, which is like, I'm, I'm glad I made them happy doing it, but like, you know, I, I hated it and I was happy when it was done, but mm-hmm. I definitely learned yeah. a lot yeah. from it. Um, this one is grueling. Like the weight, like the intensive dieting stuff too. No, I never had to cut weight because I was the smallest weight class and I was like small for the weight class. So, um, yeah, I never had to cut weight or anything, but it definitely like a lot of the kids on the team were football players and they were like wrestling season is the worst time of the year. Like they're excited to get back to football because it's just such an intense sport. And so that's why people like they always laugh when they're like, they know I don't like sports. And they find out that I did wrestling. They're like, why did you choose, like, the hardest one to do? Yeah, why'd you pick the worst one? <laughs> it yeah. is super hard. And it's... And, like, I... I, I hate it. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't like sports, but I do... I like, like, combat sports. And so mm. um, I, I do my yoga classes, but then I also take boxing classes. And I love well, that's boxing. Good. Which, like... It's a really good balance, too. Yeah, like, I was... I'm, like, I'm shocked by how much I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely is a funny balance, uh, especially cause like the, my yoga class is the day after my boxing class and it's, and it's at the same gym. And so I go there one day, like ready to fight. And then the next day I'm like, okay, let's go sit for 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's so good to have those different, like, cause they both help in different ways. Um, absolutely. I it's tried a different to kind of energy. It's cool though. Like, and I think boxing is kind of getting in touch with like your warrior energy mm. or something, which like for me, I've always been very like feminine, more soft, but I, I tried this um, yoga class back in Bellingham, Washington, where I used to live, where um, they've developed steel mace yoga and okay. steel mace is like this ancient weapon from India. And it's like, it's literally a weapon and they vary in weight. So it's it can be really heavy and it's basically like a long stick with like a big ball at the end. And um, what we would practice was like warrior yoga, basically like you learn how to flow as if the mace or the weapon is. And that kind of how to use it would literally be so dangerous, but through that, like the energy that I would release, I was like, damn, like I kind of love being a warrior. Yeah, no, I totally know you what never you mean. Get to feel this way, like I never get to feel like this powerful and this strong. It was almost like being in Avatar, <laughs> like flowing yeah, with yeah. the weapon. It was so cool. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean because it definitely is like a different kind of energy. And uh, as somebody who like didn't like sports, and also, uh, you know. I'm not a super masculine guy. That's just, I've never been that way. Um, and so then to get into this thing that kind of is like more masculine, um, it really is like releasing like a different kind of energy and it's fun. Like it's fun to do. Like it's, it's, it's nice to get so that good. energy out. And it, yeah. Yeah, totally. And it, it totally like one the feeling of walking out of a yoga class and the feeling of walking out of a boxing class are totally different, except that I'm sweaty and I'm smiling and I feel good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love- do you go on the metro? I'm just trying to visualize. <laughs> no, I take my scooter to, to the gym. Uh, so you have a scooter by now. Is it like far? Oh, yeah, Do you yeah. have a map of Shanghai in your mind by now? Um, I definitely do, but I always use maps even when like 
I'm walking to like the corner store. <laughs> it's just a habit. Um, but yeah, no, I take my scooter. It's like 15 minutes. So like I come home from work and then usually read for an hour and then go to the gym and then I get food at the gym cause they have like a kitchen, uh, and then go home and then it's, and then usually bum out for an hour and then go to bed. It's, it's really nice. And I'm like, I was, <laughs> it's funny when I was at the hospital, um, and the doctor was like, yeah, you shouldn't go to work for two weeks. I was like, oh, my boxing and yoga classes. Like, yeah, you're like, oh, I forget work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It two doesn't weeks, improve though. in a week. We're going to have to put a needle in your knee. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to tell my yoga instructor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess this will be a I'm into like, the breathing stuff more. Right, yeah. <laughs> Again, push-ups maybe or something. Right, getting back to the basics. Yeah. Okay, well, I gotta go. My friend's about to get here with food. So, I've loved talking so to it you. Was so it was so fun. I'm really excited to listen to back to this. Yeah, I honestly kind of like blacked out, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we covered various things. Definitely. I okay. hope we. And like got them thinking a little bit and and yeah thank you so much i was stoked when you started this podcast so i'm like really honored to be part of it yeah man you were definitely like one of the first people i had in mind where i was like "Ooh, i gotta have tay on here for sure man well have a good dinner i'll see you somewhere out there who knows i'm moving yeah. to south africa if you want to stop by south africa oh shit hell yeah I'll see, you on this, I'll see you on this plane or another one <laughs> Ciao, right. man. Thank you. Bye. Welcome to the part after the talk where I talk about stuff from the talk. That's that's a little jingle I just made up right on the spot, live, in case you couldn't tell. Hey, hope you guys enjoyed that talk. Um just a few things to clarify. Uh, well, actually, really only one that I can think of. Uh, the quote, the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that I uh, fumbled, that I did not say correctly. Funny enough, when I looked it up, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I for- like forgot this. It's so straightforward. I was dancing all around it, making it more complicated than it actually was. Um, the quote just says, there can be no justice without peace which is a great line and also much simpler <laughs> than I was trying to make. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Also, one thing that I wanted to clarify from the Jade episode where I was going over all of the data uh, data from the listeners, I didn't realize that those stats were all coming from Spotify. I don't know if that changes anything for anybody else, but I was like, oh shit, that's interesting because I think that probably has something to do uh, with the age demographic numbers, why it was slanted so much more towards young people. I mean, I'm sure more young people listen to this than uh, elderly, but just because I'm that age, but I'm sure that older people are more likely to be listening on iTunes because I don't know very many people that are older than 40 and have Spotify. Actually, I can really only think of maybe my mom. So yeah. So 
that was just something I found, thought anybody who's interested might want to know that clarification. But other than that, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I'm in my room with an ice pack, trying to heal. I'll keep you guys updated on my condition with all of that, but uh, not in a lot of pain. Probably going to go to work tomorrow because I don't get paid sick leave. Hashtag China. (laughs) So, yeah, that's about it. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Should hopefully have another one coming out real soon. So stay safe out there. Thanks for listening.